Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell, and this is episode 31 of our NCA series. My 31st guest is Andrew Matu. Andrew is a barrister and solicitor registered with the Law Society of Ontario. He is the founding partner of Godwit and Calon Law Office. He represents individual and business clients in the areas of immigration law. Andrew immigrated to Canada and obtained his Certificate of Qualification from the Federation of Law Societies of Canada in the year of 2014. He passed the bar exams conducted by the Law Society of Ontario in the year of 2017 and subsequently was called to the bar in the province of Ontario in January of 2018. He offers services in Hindi, Punjabi, and Urdu. He is a member of the Canadian Bar Association and Ontario Bar Association. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. My pleasure. So, uh, Andrew, we, we'd been in touch. Um, for those listening, we've been in touch for, you know, many months ago about yes. you know different projects different things we we have a it's sort of a common colleague in common it's uh, rebecca you know we, yes. we both we both know rebecca she's great and yeah. connected and as is most uh, as is most often the case with this podcast unfortunately with covid is i've never met you in person but i feel like i know you because <laughs> we've been in touch <laughs> we should definitely touch. visit my office yeah yeah exactly as soon as those yes. those uh lockdown restrictions lift i'll be out and about I, I feel like this podcast will be mobile i'll just bring my laptop and all the equipment over to everybody who i'm interviewing instead of yes. doing it over zoom but again really appreciate you taking some time to no to speak with me and to to share your story for the listeners and so i suppose the first question i'd like to ask you andrew is um for you to give us a little bit of background on yourself like where are you from where did you study law what made you want to study law um all of that stuff in in your background and your history okay so i am from india mm -hmm. uh the state of punjab and a city it's called the Manchester of India. It's Ludhiana. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a second generation lawyer. Growing up, I witnessed my father interacting with clients and finding solutions for their problems. Mm. But both my elder siblings, they are doctors and they went into the health industry. I wanted to carry on the legacy of my father. So that's why I chose to pursue law as a career. Mm -hmm. um, I studied at. Uh, Punjab University, uh, the Department of Laws, it's called University Institute of Legal Studies. Mm -hmm. Punjab University is ranked amongst the top universities in India. So my course was a five-year integrated law course. So straight away after grade 12, uh, we study a five-year course. Um, That's it's, great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's BALLB and right. bachelor's and law is integrated. Is it um, when you were on that course, did you find I, I'm just curious because, you know, I've spoken to people from all over the world and everybody's different in their pursuit. What what inspires them to study law, but also what inspires them to come to Canada? Now, we'll get into that. But I'm wondering, while you're studying law in India in a really good university, 
Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts of taking your talents internationally or is your first and foremost concern all about getting the education and continuing in your father's footsteps in India? The first thought that was in my mind was uh, to follow my father's footsteps. Mm-hmm. So my father, he was the legal advisor of one of the top hospitals. Right. Uh, this hospital was built by the Britishers when they came to India. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father used to do medical negligence and the labor laws. So watching him every day do that, I wanted to do that. I, was, I did not think about coming international and doing uh, law abroad. It was right. just for, um, to follow uh, what my father was doing. Okay, so great. I did not think of that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And... Did you find that you were a bit of a natural <laughs> on your degree or watching your father and wanting to follow in his footsteps and, you know, act on behalf of the hospital or be on behalf of clients and seeing good results? Was that inspiring to you? And then you get on the degree. How did you find actually studying law? Uh, to be honest, uh, I just gained practical knowledge by accompanying my father. I was not a lawyer then. Mm -hmm. but I used to accompany him to the courts. Yeah. Uh, At law, I felt um, the emphasis in law school was more on theory rather than practical legal experience. Uh, So that legal experience that I wanted, uh, I used to accompany my father. Yeah, that's really good. Some challenges. Yes, everyone faces challenges. And me, uh, I was a sports person. Mm I was a cricket team member in my law department. And for one year, I was the captain as well. So just uh, to balance the extracurricular activities and the heavy load of the academics, uh, that was one of the challenges that I faced. Mm-hmm. However, my overall experience in my law school was smooth and enjoyable. It was, it was not uh, really challenging. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's <Yes>. good. <laughs> that's lucky. I think, I think like you had cricket and for me, I went abroad for law school, so I didn't know anybody. Um, I, you know, I went to the UK and um, I found, you know, I bet you, you found that while you were balancing the extracurricular, like the cricketing with the academic work, I bet that that yes. helped you too, right? Like you yes. get more invested, you get more involved. And for me, it was starting a society at my law school where yes. you get to know your classmates more and it be like education and academics become more part of your life in that way, in some, in some sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I faced that here when right. I came to Canada. Mm. That, that's the same when I came here. Perfect. Perfect segue, Andrew, to all of that, you know, being the captain of the cricket team in your law department, following in your father's footsteps in India, and not really finding the academics of law too challenging. Yeah, then, then you end up in Canada. And I'm, I'm curious, a lot of people I speak to, one thing I can guarantee is that everybody's got kind of a different reason for why they chose to come to Canada. And I'm really interested in hearing yours. So my primary reason to come to Canada was my girlfriend. She's right. my wife now. Right. <laughs> so I was in a long distance for a law, like four to five years. 
Wow. And uh, I, she was the motivational force for me to come to Canada and take my bar exams to my articling. Right. Other was than it... that, yes, Canada <laughs> is a welcoming country and uh, it accepts people from all races, backgrounds, religions, mm-hmm. and uh, the government is really helpful to all the newcomers in Canada. And obviously, uh, free healthcare. Universal free healthcare. That sure. was one of the reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Contributing members um, to society are are welcome to uh, universal healthcare. I think that's important. Um, yes. In in a growing and successful society. And so your journey to Canada, Andrew, sounds a little bit more like a love story than it does <laughs> um, a pursuit for law. So when you you know I when you're long distance. Um, yeah. As some people have been, particularly, you know, internationally trained lawyers coming to Canada, some people come to Canada first, and they mm-hmm. wait for their spouse or their girlfriend or their husband or boyfriend to come over. Um, yeah. So you came to Canada to meet with her to meet up and, and to live a life together. Yes. Did you give much thought to practicing law in particular? Or was it first and foremost, let me get there. And yeah. then I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. So, Anton, the first thing is, like I told you, my wife now, Mm. she is a motivational force. So she asked me if I could come to Canada and I said, yes, I can. Mm. Um, And she asked if I would pursue law here. And I said, if I'm coming to Canada, I'm going to pursue law Mm -hmm. because India and Canada, both are common law based countries. So I said, if I'm going to come, I'm just going to pursue law. I'm not going to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So I started preparing for the NCAs. Good thing about NCAs. I can write those exams in my home country as well, in Delhi. So I wrote all my exams of NCA in Delhi and I cleared those exams. And after clearing those exams, uh, I tried um, to apply for a study permit Mm -hmm. uh, for a master's course in New York University. But somehow my um, study permit was refused. Ah. And uh, then I applied for a direct uh, immigration it's called the express i'm an immigration attorney though and yeah. so i applied for express entry and i came here um as a permanent resident and wow. the good thing is my permanent residence was approved on my leap year birthday 29th february 2016 <laughs> wow yeah. interesting yeah. and yeah. that's that's really good so you're in Delhi, and you're preparing for the NCA exams. Firstly, how how did you find out about the NCA? Did you use any reason? Were there any resources available to you? How did you study? I think a lot of listeners, and you can understand, um, they're they're listening to you and they're wanting to know the advice. So you know, they say, you know, I'm in India right now too, and I would like to come to Canada um, first. How do I, what is the NCA? How do I get to know what it is and how do I get to know how to study? So what was your technique? And so this is the age of internet, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm everything is available online. Uh, My best friend, uh, Amandeep Virdi, he's a lawyer too in Canada. Uh, He uh, informed me about the NCAs when I told him that I want to come to Canada because my girlfriend is there. He, and I told him I want to pursue law. He informed me about the NCAs and he gave me the website link. I went through the website and uh, I started to 
uh, just research a bit. I joined the Facebook NCA page. Um, however, uh, my friend already had the notes for the exams and he gave me the notes before my assessment. So he said, just go through these notes and if you feel you can do it, then get your assessment done. So I went through the notes. I found it pretty, like I could do it. Um, I got my assessment done. I had to take four core subjects. Uh, I mean, in India, if you are from a five-year law course, you have to write the core subjects. And if you're from a three-year law degree course, then you have to write at least six or seven. I, I might be wrong, but this is what I witnessed. Right. Uh, so the only thing is um, I got four exams and my friends, they sent me the notes. Uh, at that time, there was not easy availability of the notes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was lucky because my friend was there. Uh, so he sent me the notes. I studied from the notes. Uh, they were really nice. I think uh, they were the notes. Uh, I'm not sure what the name of the guy was. I just forgot. Mm -hmm. But very detailed and nice notes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, I asked my friends, uh, how to take the exam, right? What's, what's, the, what's the technique to take this kind of thing? Because it was an open book exam. Right. In India, we don't, we don't have open book exams. So the books are nowhere near the vicinity when we mm -hmm. take the exam. So, uh, but when I wrote my exam, I found it to be easy, open book to be easier than the way I used to take the exams in India. Yeah, I think what I hear from people is that it is a different strategy and it's probably wise of you to have um, asked about that in advance. Like with open yes. books, you don't need to memorize everything. Yes. You know, it's more about how do you, first of all, locate the material that you need yes. and then apply it, right? There's a yes. particular structure. So it's useful information for everybody listening who hasn't yet written. Anton, uh, sorry to cut you out. One sorry, thing no. that I feel uh, children these days they're doing they they don't understand the concepts mm -hmm. they usually try to locate the answers by memorizing it yes. that okay this answer is on this page number and this answer is on this page number no if you understand the concept you'll be able to find the page you won't even be need the uh, page number if you understand the concept and you're mm -hmm. good in writing you can just write your answers yourself yeah, it's most important, I think, when you're preparing to, instead of just memorizing words, it's yes. to understand concepts. concepts. And that's where yes. the benefit of, you know, if you are on your own and, and you can't, you're having some trouble picking it up, that's where the benefit of having a really good tutor or some yes. help, you know, some study materials, because that adds the context to, and, and it's thing, so important. I think yeah. when I took the NCAs, they were not that difficult. Yeah. Now, when I uh, hear children talking about it. I feel they've uh, raised the level a bit, mm. and they should they should need some kind of tuitions to at yeah. least understand how to do it. Because at that time, uh, my friend was free and he was able to help me out. But now, when someone's in Canada and he has to do his job, he has to study, he has to think about the future. Mm -hmm. I think tuitions are necessary. Yeah, they should. They should yeah, go for it. Absolutely no harm in it. Um yes. 100%. So if you complete your your NCA degree or your NCA degree, maybe it should be a degree. You, you complete <laughs> your your NCA 
um, modules and you receive a certificate of qualification. And then that enables you to apply for and register to write the bar exams. It also allows you to apply for articling positions too. But so I guess I'm not even, but, but so what did you do, Andrew, once you completed and received your certificate of qualification, what was your next step? Did you consider articling or was it straight on to the bar? Um, and this, okay. So this is going to take time. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Tell me (laughs) we have time. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my NCA certificate of qualification in 2013. Mm -hmm. Oh, 2014, sorry. So I came to Canada in 2016, March. So right. when I came here, I, I started preparing for the bar. Mm-hmm. I just prepared for the bar and I wrote my exam in November, 2016. I wasn't able to clear it, to be honest, for the first time. Mm-hmm. However, I got to know the strategies of how to take this exam. Yeah. Because... The person who was guiding me for the first time, he said, it's just from the book. You just have to know where the answer is. But that was, that was not a good guidance <laughs> because when I took the exam, I got to know that 33% of the questions were single liners. 33% of the questions were you had to eliminate three wrong answers. Yeah. Right. And 33% was professional responsibility. When I got to know that, um, I totally changed the way I studied. Mm. Um, I then thought I need some practical hands-on experience as well. So I started finding uh, articlings. So the main part was I walked into around 10, 15 law firms. I dropped in my resume. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wasn't given a chance. Um, I came home. I was really depressed one day and I spoke to my dad. I was like, I'm not able to find an article in position and uh, it's difficult. I can't, I, I can't live here. Um, so my dad uh, and my girlfriend, they told me how many law firms did, did I visit to? And I told them around 15. And they said, how many lawyers are there in whole of Ontario? So I was like, as per law society, around 30, 40,000. <laughs> right. And they were like, you've not even gone to at least 1% of the law firms. So, mm-hmm. so I was advised by my dad to email law officers, to drop in my resumes, to call them. And I, I don't know if I still have the list. I did. I, I dropped in my resumes. I emailed, I called at least 1,500 law firms. Wow. Yes. And because I, I wanted to settle for a paid articling position. Right. It's a big, it's a big thing for people. They do unpaid articling here. I mean, I did not want to do that. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, my luck was on the way. And I walked into a law office. It was the law office of Mr. Jeremiah Eastman. Um, and, uh, he offered, uh, I mean, I asked him, I requested him that I need an articling position and he, he's a very nice man. And he offered me an articling position then. And wow. he asked me how much should he pay? And, uh, I was like, I have no idea how much mm-hmm. the articling students get paid, but you can even pay whatever you like. So he paid me a pretty good amount every month. And, um, 
I just want to tell everyone not to get exemption from articling. Yeah. You won't learn anything. I mean, work culture is totally different from our home countries in here. And articling teaches you how one can grow here by coming. I was low on confidence. I'm not shy to say that. I was low on confidence when I came here. Mm-hmm. But articling gave me the confidence I needed to set up my own practice. Yeah, I've heard that before, Andrew. And it makes yes. sense. You know, there's there's this um, concern from people who are coming from abroad into Canada that articling is really hard to get. And of course it is. And, you know, like you, you really have to hustle like 1500 law firms is a lot. Um, And it really goes on to, to further the point of even guests previous to you who say, just because you're denied, you know, 50 times doesn't mean that 51 will be the magical moment. So just keep trying, keep the faith. And on top of that, it's yeah. it's rewarding, first of all, to do the work, to be persistent and to get the position. But there's also yeah. sort of more intrinsic value in that because you're coming to a new country. Um, yes. And while it's so diverse and multicultural here, it is also yeah. a different culture. And mm-hmm. particularly the legal culture is, is yes. uniquely Canadian. And yes. you don't have a sense of what that means until you work in it. So exempting or bridging your articling is, you know, something you do at your own peril, from what yes. I understand. Yeah. And I, I, whenever someone asks me, I always advise them to find an articling position. Because people, I mean, people think if they've been to 15 law firms and no one is trying to give them an article or giving them a chance, mm-hmm. they don't try it anymore. But they should. Ultimately, you're going to get into it. I'm sure. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that that's good. And I, I, I really do, you know, see the older I get and the more that people that I meet, um, I do think there's opportunity out there. And I think it's actually true. You know, like if if that saying, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, yes. You know, there are, there are so many people like you, Andrew, who are yes. who are in India or in Nigeria or even the UK and Australia considering the move. Um, and it, that's why I think, you know, this podcast has some popularity is learning from from your experiences and your tips, you know, on the NCA exam, but also even the bar. So when you when you complete your articling, are you studying for your bar at the same time? No, that no. was one of my strategies. And I mm-hmm. wanted to take the bar exam while articling right. because I was. I used to be uh, at my firm, uh, at my at Mr. Eastman's firm at till five or six. Mm-hmm. I used to come back home and I used to study for three hours mm-hmm. because I already had read the material for my previous uh, chance. Um, and um, because I was getting all the professional knowledge, mm-hmm. all the knowledge while doing it, while having a hands-on experience, I think that made uh, me take the bar exam and. It was really easy then. Right. To be honest, I um, I can tell you, um, I remembered everything so clearly. Um, even to this day, I know that at page 344, left-hand side, the corner three for a child witness, the, mm. the question of child witness was there. I can, I can, I can still <laughs> photograph it in my mind. Wow. So, yes. So going through the material and if you understand the concept, you'll even get to know where the answer is you won't need to just shuffle around with the pages during the barracks and no 
Right. Understanding the concepts is one of the main things that I tell everyone. It's not that you should know which thing is where. No, it's not that you're not going to get true bar exam like that. Right. You have to understand the concepts. You have to apply your knowledge during that exam because it's really stressful. But I guess now it's a four-hour exam. It's not a seven-hour exam anymore. Yeah, there are some differences in even the administration of the exam. As you know now, there's nothing in person anymore. So, um, you know, there are people writing it in their home offices. And that is an element, I think, that can be a pro and it can be a con. It can be a con too, yes. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's really good to sort of get yourself in the zone and put yourself in an exam atmosphere. And, yes. tr- you know, and so it's hard to do that when you're doing it, you know, uh, in the same room that you have breakfast in or something. It's, it's a difficult one. But, I, mean, yeah. I mean, to undergo that, undergo that pressure in the bar exam hall, mm-hmm. everyone should face that. I mean, yeah. that is where the best of you will come out. Right. Yeah. Pressure makes diamonds. That's what they say. Yes. Yeah. And to be honest, without any pressure, writing in your own room, comfortable. And I mean, okay, that that's a good thing during this COVID times. You should do that. But uh, facing the pressure is like, it's a must. Mm -hmm. And I think I've spoken to some people and they, they say that it in this new era of exam writing online, it's important to try as best you can to recreate the the time constraints, yes. um, the potential pressures that you might come under. It, you know, I've heard people who say when I'm writing a mock exam, I purposely have somebody mm-hmm. unplug the internet, and so because you know it happens in an exam, you oh might lose God. you might lose connection, and yeah. so you have to be able to compose yourself and mm-hmm. know what to do in that case. So if you unplug the internet and plug it back in there's that five minute window when the lights are blinking and you're waiting for it to go live again. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, it's interesting that a lot of people are employing a lot of different kinds of strategies around that. So did you pass the bar on the second attempt? Yeah. And I, I took the uh, bar exam in June. Mm-hmm. So that is the time when the bar exam has the highest curve. Right. Right. It's a curve, right? You have to pass. So in November, it's around 75%. And in June, because the JD students, they take, so it's around 83%. Right. So I uh, cleared the bar exam in June. And uh, in next chart in November, I took the solicitor and I cleared the solicitor exam as well. Wow. So once you know the strategy and techniques to write the exam, I don't mm-hmm. think it's so very difficult. Yeah. It's just kind of wrapping your head around it. I think yes. like there's so many, <laughs> these kinds of exams are, they must you know, like you said, in India, there's really no such thing as open book. Yeah. Um, and so to, you know, to try to get your head around how the the proper techniques to, to successfully complete the exam, it takes time. And yes. I, I, I think I've spoken to more lawyers who are very successful, who have actually failed and had trouble with the bar exam than people who say, oh, it was easy. Um, yeah. The first attempt is... You know, people have called it a monster, a disaster, and that's totally fine. I think what what you're even telling me, Andrew, is that you can use it as motivation to learn about the exam, take something out of it. Even if you fail, you say, I've read the material once already, and now I know what strategy I need, because you were given some bad advice the first time. And so now the second time you're going to say, okay, scrap that advice. I know what I have to do now. And then you just, you did it. 
Yeah. I mean, the articling obviously made it easy for me. Right. Because professional responsibility, I was doing everything what they ask in the question papers. I was doing it during my articling. So that made it really easy. Mm-hmm. And most of the questions, which like it's professional responsibility that they focus on more. So I would I would always advise anyone who wants to take the bar exam to uh, take it while doing his or her article. Yeah, great idea. Yes. Um, so when you complete the bar exam and you're called, I mean, it's a very proud moment. And those yeah. those feelings of depression that you had, you know, you're celebrating. I'm curious, yeah. what happens at that point, Andrew? Are you now sort of this this butterfly that's released from the cocoon and you now you can spread your wings and do whatever you want like how, how do you determine whether you stay with the firm you're with because you know first of all you're thankful for their opportunity but also you have more to learn yes. um, and then also how do you determine what area of law you want to practice um anton so the first thing is um i as an immigrant, I understand what the challenges people face in their home countries when they want to immigrate. Mm-hmm. So let's say in my city, on every street, there's an immigration agent. Yeah. And they, you, they just suck the blood out of you. Yeah. Uh, bad advice, everything. They just want money. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to do immigration from day one. Mm-hmm. I wanted to... Because I knew it's uh, this country welcomes immigration, it's going to be good for my economic incentive as well. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I got articling with Mr. Jeremiah Eastman. He's an immigration lawyer. He was with the Department of Justice for 10 years, and then he started his own solo practice. Right. Um, the, I mean, I got lucky. I, I, I had one thing straight in my mind. I want to do immigration law. Mm-hmm. Even if I got articling in any other field, I would have done immigration law. Um, because it was clear now, and I want to help people back home who are like duped by immigration agents and consultants in India. Right. That was that was my motivational fact because I was duped once. I told you I got uh, a study permit refusal, right? Right. And uh, the file was like prepared. It was a mess. Mm. It was a mess. And my express entry, yes. Uh, then one of my friends, he had his own firm there. Uh, he handled it very nicely. I see. Yes. That's good. And, and uh, one yeah. thing uh, and I would like to add is people who think that they want to start doing their law practice by uh, getting an exemption and start as soon as possible, th- it's, it's a big no. Yeah. Because passing the bar and getting the license is okay. That's one thing. But getting a job or starting your own practice, that's the bigger thing. That's, I think that's not what people think about. They just think we need a license and then we'll, then we'll see what to do. Right. No, th- that's a big no. You should start growing the day you start your article from day one. That's when you should think what to do and what not to do. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I've heard others say that. And it always comes from people who have been through it, like you. Um, And you have the benefit of hindsight. You can look back and you can say, this really helped me. And so I'd like to impart that wisdom. And what I hear is, while you're writing the exams, it's right for you to take them very seriously. Because without them, you can't do anything. None of this is possible. 
But yeah. it's important to recognize that these exams are just step one in mm -hmm. like 10 steps. And they're not even sometimes the most challenging or the most difficult steps to take, like finding work, integrating yes. into Canadian legal culture, um, you know, setting up a practice, carrying the weight of that practice and understanding that now you have to start getting clients you know it's it's it, there's all kinds yeah. of different things that you have to different consider. things that goes into the minds yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i got called to the bar in january 2018 mm -hmm. and my first year i would not call it as a good year for practice because yeah. i was trying to find jobs um i interviewed with green and spiegel i yep. interviewed with uh, mammon sandaluk and kingwell llp Mm -hmm. I, I got a job at Akrami and Associates in Mississauga. Uh, but I was working like 14, 15 hours a day there for two months. Yeah. I realized if I work that much for myself, even if I make less money in the first or second year, I would be making more money the third year. Right. Because <clears throat> Mr. Jeremiah Eastman had already taught me most of the immigration stuff. Yeah. Um, I started my own practice. I started from home first yeah. because uh, I did not have that much money to uh, rent an office. But the first year, I just had 17 clients. And um, I used to drive Uber and give out my cards. Mm -hmm. And from those cards, I got four clients. My four clients were from my Uber driving. Right. And since then, it's been increasing second year i had around 70 clients now i have around 150 clients wow so they're just increasing i That's... yeah so my first office was 100 square feet office second office was 200 square feet and now i just got a new office it's 2000 square feet wow so it's gonna grow yeah I mean, if you put in the hard work it's gonna grow yeah, it's gonna grow a lot. Yes, it, it sounds like uh, even your first office had four wheels too. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're handing out the business, and you know what? That's it's um it's a great story because it shows that, you know, I have my business partner. I'm an education consultant as well. In some yeah. you know, part of what I do is that, and yeah. um, Abhay, he's he's a you know somebody from India who came to Canada and is now practicing law, um. And he he did a very similar thing, Andrew. He was driving Uber because you have to pay the bills. You know, he had two yeah. young young children, and you have to do what you have to do. But you take that opportunity to speak with people. What an opportunity it is! You know, great is. <laughs> great networking opportunities. Hand out your card. Say, hey, if you ever need any assistance, here's yes. my card. And it sounds like that worked for you. And it, it's a yeah. good lesson that just because you're not in that two thousand square foot office yet doesn't yeah. mean that you can't put in the work. No, you can't. Get yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, now when I see myself and I see newcomers, mm -hmm. I always tell them that if I am able to do it, anybody can do it. I mean, I was not the brightest of all during mm -hmm. my law school. But when I came here, I got to know, yes, I have, <laughs> I can do it. And uh, people should just, they just need to give four to five years of hard work yeah. and then things will get, get together. It, it's not a difficult thing to do, mm -hmm. but just hard work is needed. That's great. Very inspiring, Andrew. And I think that's yeah. sort of an excellent way to kind of wrap up the conversation. Um, yeah. And so I'll end it by, by asking you uh, an interesting question and one yeah. um, 
that I'm curious to know the answer to. And I, well, I think I might know the answer, but it would be, it's always interesting to find out. So when you complete your law degree and you have sort of this trajectory in India, mm. um, but you have a love interest in Canada and yeah. uh, we all know how that goes and <laughs> you, you make, you know, it, it's not an easy decision. Like in some ways at the time, it's like, well, mm. am I, I'm leaving family, but you know, I love this, this girl and we have to, yeah. you know, so looking back on everything that you went through, you know, um, the NCAs in Delhi and then the bar exams and articling and handing your business cards out in Uber, would you yeah. do, would you do it all again? If, if I could tell you, you can go back in time and do it differently. Would you, or would you? No, I, I would do the same. Really? It was interesting. I mean, mm. exciting, interesting. I mean, getting to my goals, taking the advice of my father, my mm. wife now, she was my girlfriend and now she's my wife. Um, the happiness on my dad's face during the bar ceremony. Yeah. I mean, I would do it all over again. Yeah. I mean, my dad, my dad uh, during the bar ceremony, he was holding my certificates and he was like, give it to me. I don't want you to lose it and stuff. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very rewarding experience to have to go through yes. ups and downs like that. Like, you know, it's all worth it in the end, but in the middle of it, like when you're applying for articling and you're not getting there, it, it can yeah. be quite worrying, but it sounds it like... It can be quite worrying, but I would always advise not to get disheartened. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, the Bible says, seek and you shall find. So. Mm -hmm. Keep on looking for it. I mean, don't settle for unpaid articling. Uh, keep on looking for it and ultimately you're going to find it. Yeah, that's great advice, Andrew. And yes. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know the listeners no will find a lot of inspiration from your journey. And yes. um, I know in the description of this podcast episode, I'm definitely going to have some kind of ability for people to get in touch with you, whether it's an email address or a LinkedIn um, thing. We'll, we'll discuss that after the, the podcast sure, sure. episode. But Definitely, I think sure. you'll probably be hearing from a couple of people who yes. might ask you and for Don, advice. And one more thing, if anybody wants to intern for now, I have an opportunity. Wow. If someone wants to learn immigration and intern at my office, yes, I have an, I have a, a position that they can apply for. Amazing. What an opportunity. Yes. Great. Thank you so much for this, Andrew. I really mm -hmm. appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you so much. Take care. And that does it for this episode of A Shot of Life. Thanks again, as always, to my guests. And thanks to you, the listeners. Until next time, we'll talk again.